Hey there, it's Ariel Hawani, one-third of the fastest-growing show in combat sports. I'm Chuck Mendenhall. And I'm P.T. Carroll, and together we are 3 Puck. Join us on the Spotify Live app after every UFC pay-per-view and become a part of the best community in mixed martial arts. Or if you can't make it, check out the Ringer MMA Show podcast exclusively on Spotify. See you then. Love yous. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Ringer NFL Show. I'm Lindsay Jones, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my friend and colleague, Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing? Hey, pal. I'm in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Well, that's lovely. So your training camp tour is why we want to do this show today. You're, uh, you're about two weeks in, right? You've been <laughs> yeah. driving all the way across the country, stop after stop after stop. But one of the things that I um, like about your copy and I have liked for a really long time is the quarterback series that you mm-hmm. do basically every summer except for the one COVID year. Um, and hopefully you've, our listeners here have started reading these stories that you're turning off of your training camp visits. So we want to focus on the two pieces that you've already written so far. And that's on two of the biggest quarterbacks in the game, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. So how were your visits to Buffalo and Kansas City? What's well, not to love? So first of all, I went to neither of those places because <laughs> sure. I, because because uh, the Bills practice in Rochester at St. John's Fisher and the Chiefs practice in St. Joseph, Missouri uh, at Missouri Western, which I always forget the name of. Um, but it's a beautiful campus, and uh, I was Jonathan Jones told me they're called the Griffins. So go Griffins! Shout out Griffins! Um, it was lovely, and you know it's it's funny because Lindsay, you know this. You go to a camp. And you can figure out, like an alien could figure out pretty quickly the expectations for the team and what the big questions are and and kind of what what the concerns are. Because there's some, I mean, you know, there are quarterback, there are honest to God quarterback competitions in the NFL right now. There's honest to God, hey, who are there any good receivers on this team competitions? Uh, what's this defense gonna look like? Can this guy call plays? Whatever it is, that's the big question in a lot of places, and we know the expectations there. When you're around Buffalo or you're around Kansas City, it's just completely different. Because it's these small, I, I, bigger than normal questions, but it's one or two things. It's one or two things have to go right for them to literally win the Super Bowl. This is not a, we need a whole unit to perform or whatever. Um, it's just these teams know what the expectations are. And it, it's interesting to me because you start to understand the vibe of a team that's more concerned about January than September and can afford to be more concerned about January than, than September. And I, I listen, I'm in a place right now in Green Bay where I think there's some pretty... Um, there's some some overlap as far as that goes, where they know that that 
they're probably going to win a bunch of games and then they have to prove it in January. And it's almost, you know, I remember um, Jim Harbaugh a couple years ago compared it. They kept making it. Super Bowl didn't didn't win it. And he compared it to Sisyphus, right? Um, just you know, roll the rock back up. And and I kind of think when you're at these camps, it's really fascinating to talk about a, a team whose, whose realistic expectations are the Super Bowl. And that's what we're talking about here today. So when we were look at Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes specifically, I mean, to me, this is really like kind of the next Brady and Manning for a new generation. Ooh. They're both in the same conference. They're kind of iconic players, I think, now in their own right. And we're going to be seeing them playing each other over and over and over again, despite being in different divisions because of the way that the NFL scheduling algorithm works out and the formula where if you win your division, you're going to play mm-hmm. each other the next year. So we're going to see these two guys playing a lot. So, you know, and the last time they played back in January, it was one of the best games we've ever seen, right? I mean, it mm-hmm. was a, j- a game that changed the NFL in terms of the overtime rules because Josh Allen didn't get to touch the ball. And it was like as perfect a quarterback game as I've really honestly ever seen. But both of those guys that had their seasons end in disappointment, right? It was yeah. Josh Allen's season ended that night in Arrowhead Stadium without getting to touch the ball again. 13 seconds is going to haunt the Bills forever. Um, And then Patrick Mahomes, he played that perfect game against the Bills. And then a week later, had a really uncharacteristically bad game uh, in the AFC Championship game against the Bengals, especially in that second half. He had two two interceptions, including the one in overtime that gave the ball back to Joe Burrow and the Bengals, Mm -hmm. and then they won on field goals. So, you know, I think there are questions about both of these guys. So your most recent piece was on Patrick Mahomes. So Mm -hmm. let's start there with some of the big questions that are really facing the Chiefs right now. So, you know, when you're looking at the Chiefs right now, what is their offense going to look like without Tyreek Hill? What did you see in the practices that you got to watch? And what's the sense of, you know, maybe what Patrick Mahomes is going to look like in this kind of the, the post-Hill era? Great question, because it's funny, because I uh, I talked to Brian Gutenkunz yesterday, the GM of the Packers, and I asked him about replacing Devontae Adams, and he said, it can't be one person. And I laughed because... That's exactly what Brett Veach said when I asked him about replacing Tyreek Hill. And I think that being, you know, listen, that's the question is what does the offense look like? What do, you know, our colleague Stephen Ruiz has talked about this. Maybe in the kind of too deep safety era, Tyreek Hill is expendable. You know, I'm going to get to that in a second. But I think that trying to do a one-for-one swap where we say we're going to sign this guy and he's going to be our Tyreek Hill, that's not what they're going to try in Kansas City. That's not what they're going to try with Devontae Adams and Green Bay. But with with Kansas City in particular, um, Veach broke it down for me, which is that, okay, normally Hill would be this on a feature route. Well, it's going to be three guys. Um, it's going to be obviously Juju Smith-Schuster doing stuff over the middle. It's not; those are not going to be the sort of outside routes that um, the, the outside feature routes will not be something he's asked to do um, in the Tyreek Hill genre. Um, MVS Valdez Scantling, who comes over from Green Bay, is going to get some more outside work, and then Hardman, who's been there for a while, will also have that too. So it's going to be three people doing different routes. Tyreek Hill could do so many things on a football field; he could literally do basically anything to, to the point that they're going to have three people taking his role. Um, um, and I think that's the way to go. There's no one who's going to have Hill speed. There's no one who's going to have his chemistry down the field. It's interesting because uh, the first time I ever talked to Brett Veach, we were talking about scouting for Mahomes. And he was talking about how he had studied Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. So this is 2016, very closely. Um, it's not a thing you would do anymore. But 
you know, he looked at it because their improvisational skills and their ability to, to know what they were doing down the field with each other um, was special. And he's always been looking for that as far as, okay, you know, when this guy gets, gets 25 yards down the field, is he going to know where Pat wants to go? You have to have a certain threshold of speed, by the way, he said, because, you know, Mahomes is going to throw quick deep balls and you got to get down there. I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. And so scouting from Mahomes has always been an, an exact science. You kind of, um, you, you kind of know what thresholds you need to pass. Um, and so I'm intrigued to see where this goes. Um, you know, we talked about it. So I, I, I talked to Mahomes and, um, you and I talked about this yesterday, but you know, Mahomes didn't throw a pass beyond 20 yards, um, against the bills. Mahomes said that as he started throwing shorter defenses started creeping up and now that opens up the deep shot. So I think you're going to see a little bit of a marriage between the kind of 2018, 2019, 2020 offense, the deep ball offense and the short stuff. He's gotten more patient. He thinks the all defenses um, opened up to him, especially at the end of the season. I mean, after week 12, he was pretty much nails until the second half of the AFC Championship game. And what's interesting to me is Andy Reid said, there's nothing else defenses can show him. So if he figured this out, and this is my words, but like, good luck. Like him saying that, you know, he's seen it all now is as close to shit talking as Andy Reid can possibly get, right? Like Andy Reid's never going to give you anything. So the fact that he was like, yep, not a lot, not a lot you can show him now. Like that's him basically saying like, good luck NFL 2022. So how introspective did you find Mahomes to be when he was looking back at really that that first slump of, of his career? How honest do you think he's being now about maybe what went wrong? And then how is he going to be able to apply maybe what he learned during that stretch that, you know, beyond having now the experience of seeing, you know, seeing these different defenses, how is he going to be able to apply that to whatever, you know, Brandon Staley's of the world are going to throw at him next? What about the good coaches? Okay. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Podcaster Brandon Staley is going to come out. I'm joking. Us. No, no, no. I actually like Brandon Staley. I'm I'm high on Brandon Staley. I just like I like committing to the bit of being an anti Brandon Staley podcaster. I actually think I, I actually picked the Chargers to make the Super Bowl this year. So that's just a little bit tongue in cheek. Don't don't get mad, Brandon. Um, okay, so it's a two part question because there's two things that that about the introspection part that that were fascinating to me. Number one is that Mahomes said he wasn't getting the ball out as quick as he should. He had actual sort of fundamental problems with where he was holding the ball. So he needs the ball up high in his stance in order to get the ball out quicker. Um, his strides had gotten too long. Um, he did say with regards, he did not bring up the Mike Sando report a couple of weeks ago, but he did say that he was hanging on his first read. Now, What's different is that he can make that second read throw, which is what the anonymous defensive coordinator was saying. So I think the defensive coordinator had it a little bit wrong, um, but he did bring up hanging on his first read um, last season. And then beyond that, I mean, I, I, I just think that that he understands how to correct a problem as well as anybody in football. And what he understood and what he told me was that he he had 15-yard completions open on every play and wasn't taking them. And then he figured out how to do that. And if that happens this year, I think defenses are in for a huge nightmare. Um, the other thing we talked about was what he learned. So I was curious if he felt he reverted in the AFC Championship game to old habits, kind of what he had in the first 10 weeks of the season. He said he didn't. Um, he, he, he basically said... Uh, they didn't show him anything differently schematically, um, which is kind of against the narrative that was coming out of that game, that they were starting to drop eight more and more. They're basically doing the whole thing. Uh, I actually, we, we saw our buddy Nate Tice yesterday, and we talked about this a little bit. The Bengals basically did the same thing um, the whole game. It was just Mahomes was getting impatient. He felt they were playing not to lose. He felt they were playing tight, and maybe he said they were, quote, just trying to get to the Super Bowl, just just casually just trying to get to the Super Bowl without actually doing the work, right? Um, and, and what he's doing now is he's trying to, listen, you cannot practice momentum. You can't practice momentum building. 
Um, but what he's trying to do is finish practice stronger. If he sees somebody relaxing, because he used the word relaxing, felt like they did that in the second half. If he sees somebody doing that, he he gets on them. Um, and so he's just trying kind of everything to fix what happened last year. I don't think he knows exactly how to fix it because it's just relaxing in one half of a game. Uh, but he's just trying to coach his guys up and 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 figure out um, where the team went wrong last year. It's a, it's a really interesting dynamic because one of the things that made that run to the Super Bowl, their Super Bowl title in the uh, 2019, 2019 season, was um, the fact that they trailed in so many games and he had such that that great like comeback magic and they played so well in those really close situations. And then over the last couple of years, they were just so much better than a lot of the other teams in 2020. And then at times last year, and especially in their own division, outside of a couple games against the Chargers, they really were not in competitive games against the Raiders or the Broncos. So that's one of the other questions I have now is that I think it's pretty well acknowledged, and Brett Veach certainly acknowledged it in his conversation with you, that the rest of the division has gotten better. And, you know, you would like to think, I live here in Denver, I know the people here are hoping that the games against the Chiefs will be more competitive, uh, and I'm sure people in Las Vegas are thinking that too. Look, the, the Broncos haven't beaten the Chiefs since October of 2015. Like, is that true? Was, that was before yes, I was at the ringer. That is 100% true. It's it, it was before my I was pregnant with my daughter, who's about to be a first grader. It was a <laughs> very long time ago. It was a very, very long time ago that, that, that this has happened. Wow. So, you know, I'm just curious now that this division should be better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be deeper from top to bottom. What that does for the Chiefs, potentially playing in a lot more competitive games and not having kind of that cushion necessarily yeah. to you know, kind of cruise to a, a one or a two seed in AFC West. How do you, How? what was your sense from talking to people in Kansas City about how Mahomes views that challenge and maybe what those division games might look like? Yeah, I mean, Mahomes, I asked Mahomes about it and he said, it's, we knew it was always going to be a dogfight. And, you know, they played two tough games against the Chargers last year. Um, they did not, it was not a flawless division um, stretch for them last year. But with Veach, he was more introspective in the sense that he said that, you know, it's just challenges of a successful team. And it's a nice problem to have. He literally said it was a nice problem to have because you're picking later in the draft. You have less money to go around because you're paying your quarterback, you're paying a D lineman, you're paying a tight end, you're paying, um, you were paying a wide receiver. Um, and you are, I mean, they, they did sign those two veterans to, to contracts. They're not exactly league minimum. Right. Um, and so I think they understand that their edge is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. That's, I mean, obviously, and, and Travis Kelsey and all that stuff, but they have the pieces in place. And this goes back to something that Veach said in, in a conversation we had before the Super Bowl, which is he's got the two best cornerstones in football at his disposal, which is Andy Reid controlling an offense and Patrick Mahomes being at the helm of that offense. And so what comes next in his job um, is, is augmenting the talent around that. Uh, they are going to need a couple of guys to step up. One of those receivers, um, Isaiah Pacheco, the, uh, the the running back, they just love him. I don't know. It's funny to me because I tweeted that today. I never, I'm never like a this this uh, this team loves their own guy reporter. Like that, that, that always goes. Oh, they're so excited about this first round pick. Well, yeah, well they draft from the first round, so maybe that's why. Um, but for me, um, you know, unprompted, two people came up to me and said he's he's balling out. Um, so they're going to need something. Um, but I think they're extremely aware. And, and I talk to people, you know, Buffalo is in the same boat here. I talk to people where they say this division is, is this conference is so stacked that it's going to come down to a little bit of luck with turnovers or whatever. And then quarterback play. That's it. I mean, we're looking at decision decisions made on, you know, January 15th to go for it, to not go for it, a, a punt off the wrong foot, you know, off the, off the foot that, that goes, you know, 20 yards. Like that is the difference between a team like 
the Chargers and and a team like the Bills. You know, it is going to be so stacked this year um, with the quarterbacks. The barrier for entry has never been higher. And I think they like that because they know, as I said, um, they've got the two trump cards in, in Reed Mahomes. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's start looking at Buffalo. A couple yeah. weeks ago, I guess it was about a week ago, you you wrote about uh, Josh Allen and the Bills' new offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. Ken Dorsey, Kenny. a guy near and dear to your Miami Hurricanes heart Go here. Canes. So I'm sure we didn't have to we didn't have to beg you to to write that story too hard here. Well, but wait, wait, I, I want to you... stop you right there. Megan Schuster is my editor, okay, and Megan Schuster is younger than both of us. And when I was I was like taking for granted that Ken Dorsey was like a household name for everybody. And oh, I no. was like, oh no. I was like, you were like around for this, right? And she's like, I think I've heard his name. And I was like, damn it. No, <laughs> no, we can't be that old. Kev, we're real old. We're real old. But it's all right. Well, so let's, I want to go back into kind of what you learned when you were yeah. in Buffalo, because you were there right about the time that the Bills opened camp. Yes. You were there for the some of the first days of camp in Rochester. Um, and you had some really introspective conversations, mm-hmm. I think, with Josh Allen, some more re- revealing comments than I've really heard from him about kind of how his playing style, where he's at this point of his career. So what were your biggest takeaways from the time you spent in Buffalo with with Josh specifically? Yeah. And then we'll get into a little bit about what the offense is going to look like now. Again, you know, we talk about nice nice problems to have and just the fact, the idea that, that, that a, te- a good team only has one or two questions. The question in Buffalo is Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator, who's replacing Brian Dable, who got a successful head coaching job, right? And with Josh, I want to know a couple things. Number one is how much input he wanted in the offense. Because, Lindsay, you were around Peyton Manning in Denver. Who was the offensive coordinator of those teams? Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was running practice. He was yelling at people, you know, especially when John he Fox He probably would have been a better head coach of the uh, Miami Dolphins and New York Jets than 
That's correct. Adam Gase. That's was. correct. Yeah. Um, but you know, so you get into Peyton Manning mode, you get into Tom Brady mode, where those those quarterbacks are able to um, command their own offense. And I asked Josh, how, how much do you want? How much say do you want? He said it kind of goes with the territory of of bringing up a quarterbacks coach because he's been there in the room. He doesn't listen. I don't think anybody thinks he's going to run this offense. Uh, you know, it's going to be Ken Dorsey's offense, influenced by Brian Dayball. They're going to be flexible. They're going to be able to do all these things. But you know, again, to, to, to go to the overarching point, I do think that that Josh Allen is going to be the driving force of this. Now, having said that, um, Josh told me that he got more rest this year because he got banged up last year and he wanted to just hang out in Orange County with his girlfriend and his dog. He, he still woke up at 6 a.m., but he was he was going through the process. Reason being is that, that, that he felt the way he plays, just a lot of bumps and bruises, and he did not want to um, overexert himself, I guess. And I asked him, I said, do you want to change the way you play? And he said no. He said that, that it's part of him, um, putting his body on the line, you know, putting his head down for, for a big third down is part of him. Now, Brandon Bean, the general manager, said that, that you know he does get on, on Josh for – taking unnecessary hits. He says he's never gotten on Josh for for an interception, but he would get on him for taking an unnecessary hit. He singled out, I think two years ago, um, Bean said Josh tried to run over Kyle Van Noy on a play. And Bean just said, come on, do we need to run? Can we run around Kyle Van Noy? Can we run out of bounds? Can we do something other than just lowering your head and taking on Kyle Van Noy? And so I think Josh is always going to have that, that element of his game. Um, does he learn to maybe take one or two less hits over the course of the game? Hopefully. Um, but it was fascinating to see because I think that, you know, I think Dorsey's going to be so adaptable because his football education is really interesting. He was with Cam Newton in Carolina. He was at, when he was in Miami, he was a total pro style guy. Um, you know, he learned his own read when he was in Canada dur- during the last year of his pro career. But um, if you just trace him from 2001 until now, He's done it all. I mean, he's done literally every single offensive innovation you could do. And so I think it's going to be pretty unique uh, what they're going to be able to do with Josh. And, you know, Bean himself told me there were times where Dayball and 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 Dorsey had already implemented Cam Newton-style plays for Josh Allen because Dorsey and Bean and, and Mike Shula, who's there now um, as an offensive assistant, were there with Cam. Um, they... Sean McDermott obviously overlapped as well. So they had that experience and, and I'm intrigued to see where this offense goes. And I think the answer is going to be, it kind of is going to go everywhere. So now I guess as we look forward, like who is Ken Dorsey uh, as <laughs> yeah. a coach? Yeah. Uh, you don't need to get into every like uh, University of Miami highlight, although he won one national title, should have won more. We screwed out of two. He was screwed out of two. Butch Davis said he played he played for three national championships, which I think maybe is counting the time we got screwed out of a game against Oklahoma. Um, maybe we would have split if we'd won the Sugar Bowl and then and then Florida State had beaten Oklahoma. Anyway, um, who is he as a coach? He is not interested in nostalgia. You know, Duke Johnson was on a podcast on the University of Miami um, official podcast a couple weeks ago, was talking about how basically Dorsey got up and introduced himself to the team and Duke Johnson himself had to be like, Oh, by the way, this guy's a God, right? Like it wasn't, it wasn't anything. Ken Dorsey was just kind of talking about, you know, his coaching jobs or whatever. And like Duke had to be the one who was whispering, like, also this guy can't, you know, walk a block in Miami without being handed a, handed a beer and a free meal. Um, and so he's a, he's an intense guy. He's a focused guy. Um, I don't, I don't think he likes the attention. Um, I think he's worked for everything. And I think he's, you know, he's a guy with a chip on his shoulder. And that's something he said in the story where he feels like he belongs with a Josh Allen, 
a Sean McDermott, the Bills franchise, just Western New York in general, because four years ago, he was going to call plays at Appalachian State. He was out of football after he got fired with Mike Shula in Carolina. He, uh, he goes down to FIU to be not even on the staff. He was like an administrative guy. Um, and then he was going to call plays for the first time at Appalachian State. And then he gets hired a couple of weeks later to be the Bills quarterbacks coach. So that was it. And also, by the way, in the his Carolina job was interesting. He was basically an advanced scout for Cam Newton first. Uh, it was the lockout year. They needed Cam to be able to learn things quickly. So they basically hired a scout for Cam Newton. And that was Ken Dorsey. Um, so who is he as a coach? He's a guy who's done so many things uh, in the game of football that he's got this unique thing, a unique chip on his shoulder. And I think a lot of times, once you know this, bunch of guys who are in the early 40s, late 30s now, it's been a pretty seamless rise for them. Um, and Ken Dorsey is not that, even though he's got the name, even though I think, you know, if he'd wanted to come back to the University of Miami, he could have at any point and, and gotten a, a nice cushy job. He didn't want to do that. He wanted to grind in different places. At F When he was on the FIU staff, they beat Miami um, with, with, with Coach Manny Diaz uh, on Miami and Bush Davis obviously was the FIU coach. Uh, let's not bring that up again. But it, it, he's, he's a fascinating coach because I think he might be the perfect coach for for Josh Allen. He's um, Matt Park, we call him kind of a loosey-goosey style. He's totally open to anything. Um, if Josh has a concept, he's up for listening to that. It was funny because somebody actually told me, because uh, they knew I was going to the Steelers afterwards, that Mitch Trubisky was helped a lot by being in the Bills quarterback room with Josh Allen because Trubisky had been so robotic in Chicago. The thought was that Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen teach guys how to improvise. And, and it's such an open environment that maybe a guy like Trubisky was able to glean a little bit from being yourself. I talked to Trubisky for the story, and he said that Ken Dorsey wants everybody to be themselves, and that helps with processing, right? I mean, in the same way that, you know, if you're doing anything, uh, being yourself helps. And you don't have to think about, you know, well, what does Coach Nagy want me to do, whatever. Um, you just think, okay, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. And that, I think, is an empowerment that's going to help all quarterbacks, including Josh Allen, including Mitch Trubisky. So before we wrap up, going back through the uh, NFL MVP odds, the the top two guys in the betting odds right now are the two guys that we've just talked about. Josh Allen is actually the favorite. He's about plus 650, plus 700, depending on which uh, betting site you're looking at right now. So let's look specifically at Josh Allen. What does an MVP season out of Josh Allen look like? What are those core concepts? What are the things that he needs yeah. to do to kind of just overtake the Patrick Mahomeses and Aaron Rodgers of the world and actually become the MVP and not just the kind of buzzy MVP candidate? Well, I think you have to start with October 16th at 425 yep. when these two teams play each other. Um, MVP is a narrative award. Now, there are some sort of auxiliary requirements. You know, I, Josh Allen last year went from 10 interceptions to 15 interceptions, right? And I think that kind of voters might look at that and say, oh, I don't know, you know, if that, if that trend continues, is he really worth MVP? But this is like, it, it's almost like the Heisman now, where there's so many quarterbacks, as we're talking about, who are bunched together, then it's going to come down to those sort of moments. And Justin Herbert's in this mix. Tom Brady should be in this mix. Aaron Rodgers should be in this mix. Um, the team that wins the most games and wins against the other MVP quarterbacks um, and has the numbers is going to win. So I think it's just more of the same from Josh Allen. Um, and I don't, I, I, I honestly, it's almost like what we're talking about with who gets out of the AFC. The depth is such that it's going to come down to a handful of little things, but we know what this looks like. Gabriel Davis 
looks like a star in waiting. We already know what Stephon Diggs is. Isaiah McKenzie is going to have a bigger role. Um, we know what this offense is going to look like. And I think it's their, um, I, you know, I just think it's Josh Allen's job to, to progress and get better and, and do, I know this is, you know, cliche of all cliches, but just be the best Josh Allen he can. And that's MVP. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about these two quarterbacks. If you have not already read Kevin's stories about Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, those are online right now at theringer.com. You're in Green Bay right now, which only, you know, I guess we could deduce that you'll have some Packers content coming soon. Some some, uh, some will pop up on the website at some point. We'll, we'll tease that a little bit, but safe travels the rest of your journey. Safe trip home to New York eventually. And that's the Ringer NFL show. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you to production from Chris Sutton and production assistance from Arjuna Ramkumpal and Connor Nevins. <laughs>